Hello, Internet. This is ESC Insight Calling. I'm Ewan Spence. I'm John Lucas. And we've got our tickets to Liverpool. Coming up in the show, well, we're off to Liverpool. What happens next? And what should we remember? Yes, good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Welcome to a rather hastily recorded ESC Insight chat over coffee. So it's Liverpool, John. That's like, that's good for you. I'm going home. Yeah, I was born and raised. Crosby, baby, born and raised. So this is... <laughs> Very exciting. Yeah. Does that mean you get to do that Badil and Skinner pastiche then? <laughs> yes, uh, my hands are in the air. I'm going to get my little... Uh, John's going home. Legend. He's going <laughs> home. Uh, and Liverpool did win the football as well against Glasgow Rangers. So, you know, there you are. Football's made sure that Eurovision is going to a new home. But there's lots of things to look at in that process. 20 cities went in. We got a long list of seven. We got time to that super final of two. It's been a, It's been a very interesting process as well. So let's just... Take a minute to look over that before we look over Liverpool. Let's start off with one of the EBU quotes from, I think, two or three press releases ago, John. Uh, The Eurovision Song Contest is the most complex TV production in the world. Uh, The World Cup might have a question on that, but there you go. Anyway, it has very specific logistical requirements to accommodate around 40 delegations, thousands of crew, volunteers, press, and fans. Putting on a song contest is not easy. And it's fair to say that the seven cities that got to that long list had most of the things that were needed. Both Liverpool and Glasgow had the remit. They had everything because they were in the super final. And I I suspect this has been a very, very close decision. Absolutely, yeah. I've been following very closely this city race. Obviously, it's more exciting than usual this year, being in the UK. Um, And when you look at the cities that didn't make that final two, I think a lot of them really put a huge amount of effort into this. And it's it really came down to the technicalities. Um, I don't know if this has been confirmed, but I know that one of the councillors from Birmingham said that they lost out because the roof was too high or wasn't high enough. I think the roof didn't have enough loading for the potential lighting rig, which I seem yeah. to recall Copenhagen had issues with as well. Indeed. And then Leeds, I should say, my, my current hometown Leeds, they also, I believe their problem was they didn't have enough floor space to accommodate all the TV crew and a floor audience as well. So it, it really comes down to technicalities. It's a, There's a lot of plates in the air for this kind of thing, and you've really got to be able to manage them all, and not every city can do that. So I think it's probably come right down to the wire. Yeah, certainly I think some of the cities went in thinking, oh, great, we're putting on three concert nights that get televised. I think Cardiff fell into this. Um, <laughs> but it's just like, yeah, but you have to have all the other stuff. You need to have all the rehearsal time. You need to have a Euro village. You need to have somewhere for the opening ceremony. You need to have this compound, which will have the most wires and cabling and lighting that the world has seen for an event. It's just the scale. Even if you had two, three or four years to put this on, would look crazy but you don't you get about nine months the ones that got to the fact to the final seven really put the effort in and obviously these final two and now our eventual winner it's it, it's a big it's a complex process it really is it's not just as simple as putting on a concert yeah and there are just so many factors in here i mean the bbc did a list in their news articles as well you know you have to have a suitable venue and sufficient space to deliver the requirements of the contest infrastructure 
yep. airports, you know, all that. Yep, there needs to be a commitment from the city or region to host the event. There needs to be financial contribution. Be interesting to see if we ever find out what that number was. Uh, <laughs> the strength of the cultural offer of screen local and regional activities showcasing Ukraine's cultural. Of course, we cannot forget we're hosting on behalf of Ukraine. Um, an alignment with the BBC's strategic priorities as a public service broadcaster. That's everybody in the EBU, uh, such as providing value to all the audience and supporting the creative economy in the UK. And, you know, we have don't to look at the Euro Club. <laughs> no, it's a Euro Club. I, I think that's up to OGA UK, who probably started having kittens when they realised that that would be on their beat this year. <laughs> but Eurobash is happening in about um, 26 hours from now. So um, maybe somebody could ask them very nicely there on the panel what the uh, ideas are. So we get all those conditions. We get all of that. We go from 20 to 7 to two, to one. And so, to Liverpool. Hooray! And, uh, yeah, well, let's see, we've got Sonia on the positive mm -hmm. side for Liverpool in, in terms uh, of Eurovision. Uh, we've Liverpool's got, greatest musical export. Yeah. I'm sure there's no denying. Uh, the greatest musical export from Liverpool. Yeah. Um, I, I can't think of any others, can you? Oh, yeah, I can think of some. Flock of Seagulls. Of course. Dead or Alive. Oh, how could I forget? Pete Burns, icon, legend. Uh, the Beatles. Yeah, yeah take or leave them. Okay, and, and the big <laughs> one, the big one, Atomic Kitten. Of course, Atomic Kitten, <laughs> yes, indeed. And now Eurovision has made us whole again. The good news is, I'm assuming that's an Atomic Kitten song. I would never have got there. Um, <laughs> I've just got the idea that Turin is having flashbacks of, of you spin me round, round, baby, right, round, like a kinetic sun spinning oh, right, God, round, no. right, round. <laughs> too soon, you and too soon. <laughs> uh, why do we think Liverpool won? I mean, that's the big question. Um, mm -hmm. And for me, it's the bid. Oh, obviously, it's the bid. But there was <laughs> so much information so much social media so much engagement from liverpool that it just they built their own hype train and they rode it all the way into lime street absolutely and i think liverpool really know how to do no no slice on glasgow but liverpool can really do that community spirit thing we are a very community-minded city and you know we got buy-in from real buy-in from the mayors the local municipality lots of local celebrities got involved it really was you got that sense of hunger that I think you really need for a city to host it. You really want a city to fully embrace it top to bottom. And Liverpool, I think, really managed to communicate that exceptionally well through the whole process up to now. And you have the community spirit as a whole in Liverpool, Centre, but there was a real focus on it in this. Yeah, like I said, the, the, both of the two mayors had really got involved in it. They were very visible about it. There was a lot of cross-party support in the city for it. It really all kind of it really felt like everybody was coming together to, to, to use an old Eurovision quote. Everyone was coming together to really bring this home, and they've succeeded. So there we go. And that point that we had before on making sure that this is a Ukrainian show as well as a United Kingdom show. There was a lot of that on show. And I felt there was much more of that on show from Liverpool's bid than there was from Glasgow. And I think a lot of that comes down to Liverpool's close links. It's a twin city with Edessa. So there's there's that emotional bond there as well. It can't be discounted that Liverpool is a port city. It's one of 
the UK's great port cities. So there's that real sense of internationality and travel and connections there, um, especially Odessa also being a seaport city. I think th little things like that can really tie it all together and, and create a theme that, that both countries can work with. Uh, and do you know who Glasgow's twinned with? Oh, remind me. Turin. Turin. Oh, so you've had your turn, really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they have, but Glasgow's bid was a strong bid, not least because everybody kind of assumed straight off the bat, this is going to Glasgow, isn't it? And sometimes that, that works in Eurovision circles, but other times it's just a, no, hold on, somebody's going to come out of nowhere. Um, but for a long time, Glasgow was in the lead, and a lot of that, I think, was down to the infrastructure. Absolutely, yeah. Glasgow on paper had everything, and I know there was a lot of discussion uh, about them being a city that would potentially host even when the UK ever won. Obviously, we didn't win, but for, the, for these purposes, we're hosting anyway. And you've, you've got a feel for Glasgow. Obviously, you do, and the rest of the Scottish contingent of Insight will obviously be feeling a little bit sore on this. Uh, I'm not going to rub it in, but um, it must be hard to be the front runner from the start and to just not quite get there. So absolute commiserations to Glasgow, but I'm sure their time will come again. COP26, I think, is was the great big example of this is the sort of huge, massive scale event that Glasgow can hold. And that will have given them a lot of experience, just everybody in the city, the council, the services, the infrastructure people who do all the events and conventions. Basically, look, it's late, OK? Uh, <laughs> but I do wonder if you've already had something big. When you think about the remit on public service broadcasting and servicing, serving all the regions that the BBC has to accommodate, I wonder if that COP26 ended up being a not stronger positive as it might have felt. It's possible, yeah, because as you say, Glasgow has recent form in these big international events and maybe Liverpool needs this chance to showcase, maybe not so much that COP would have, or 20, COP26 or anything else would have been a mark out against Glasgow, but maybe it's just fed into Liverpool once and it just a little bit more because they haven't really had an opportunity recently. And of course, they actually lost the opportunity to be a capital of culture recently because of some um, issues with some development buildings that had it withdrawn from them, which then it was a big, a big problem, a big loss for the city. So I think Liverpool has really been hungry for something like this. I can't remember the last time something on this scale was in Liverpool. I think they just, they just really wanted it. And it's a fine margin. You know, you said there that the Scottish fans are going to feel a little bit, Ooh, I don't think we are. I think we're going to go, you know what? That was a good, good game um, as we would go into football punditry. And it's not that far. It's just what, what, hour and a half, two hours down on the train to Manchester and chop over on the link as well. It's, it's relatively close. It's comfortable. And there's a lot of people who've never been able to go to a song contest before because it's been abroad because it's a week or two, because most people don't ever think, I watch it in May, hold on, I could go. Why don't oh, I I've go? Had, I've had so many friends like, oh yeah, how do you get tickets? Like <laughs> slightly blasé as if it's the easiest thing in the world. I'm like, I, I keep telling them, imagine trying to get Beyonce tickets. You can do it, but it's not going to be a walk in the park. You know, <laughs> you have to get up pretty early and hope for the best. Yeah, and those of us who are crazy in love know just how difficult that yeah, is going to be. Glastonbury tickets would be another good example. You know, it is that scale, you know. It and I'm pretty sure that we're also going to hear quite a few negatives in certain areas going forward. And one of those is going to be finance. So just, just to close off, John, um, Eurovision is relatively expensive to put on, mm -hmm. as we know. But there's also quite a nice return from it as well. Yeah, it's about, there's a reason these cities have put so much effort into this, such a resource into this. It's, it, it's, 
it's an investment and it's a real fantastic way and a very rare way in these days to showcase your city as a tourist attraction, as a as a kind of hub of commerce and entertainment. And, you know, it, it really does have many, many advantages. If it didn't, they wouldn't want it, you know. Do you want some numbers, John? Hit me. Hit me uh, with some numbers, Ewan. Right then. Okay, so this is from Vienna and it's... Uh all the sort of income and outcomes and results by the Institute for Advanced Studies, the IHS in Austria. Um, and they gave us a cost for the song contest in 2015, and that cost was 25 million euros. And they didn't cut any corners. Vienna was a very luxurious one. So <laughs> it, was, it was. It was quite compact. It didn't mm-hmm. go over the top, but it was there. So 25 million. Keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. The big win is advertising. Because mm-hmm. everybody sees Austria, everybody sees Vienna. There's lots of talk about it. The equivalent uh-huh. cost to get the amount of coverage they got, a hundred million. Well, there you go. Speaks for itself. You know, a four hundred percent return. But because mm-hmm. but on that, okay, thirty-eight million euros went into the Austrian economy from other areas, from people visiting, from. Uh, hotels from accommodation so that's across the whole country and 27.8 of that went into vienna so you've got another 100 percent. you've got what you spent back again plus the advertising and of course there isn't just one bank account it's not like there's a bank account somewhere in austria that says we spent this we got this it's not one pot that gets emptied and filled up again it's from lots of areas this is why you have city councils it's why you have government it's why you have things uh, like marketing agencies for the entire country for the venue for the city all pitching in because that return is measured over the whole community and that whole community of course uh, gets involved as well uh, vienna 416 part-time jobs And by part-time, I mean they lasted three or four weeks over the space of the song contest, not that they were eight hours a week. We can remember the volunteers, the staff, they worked very long hours. But again, more money into the local economy, more community spirit. There is a return here. So if somebody turns around to you, you get into one of those pub arguments that says, oh, it costs too much money, we're just wasting it in this time of austerity. Um, No, Eurovision is all about giving your city growth, growth, growth <laughs> oh close in the new prime minister um yeah and i think as we record this indeed yeah well yeah she might not be by the time this goes out of the way things are moving at the moment but uh, i think that's a very good point i think that probably speaks to the fact that in recent years we've seen fewer capital cities take the lead on this it's gone to a lot more you know like turin obviously london didn't put in a particularly aggressive bid for this this year um before that rotterdam rather than amsterdam tel aviv rather than jerusalem i think if you're in these the capital cities, especially ones like Rome and London, you could say, well, these are cities that are tourist, you know, massive tourist attractions anyway. And it gives these, I don't want to say smaller cities, but, you know, slight cities that don't necessarily have as much of a spotlight all the time or as much of a flow of tourism. And yeah, I think it just really gives the cities a chance to shine. And I think that Liverpool is really going to feel that this year. Liverpool. <laughs> How many times are we going to hear the Beatles mentioned in the run-up to Eurovision? Oh, I think a very earnest performance of Imagine is a hundred percent certain. No, at this no. Point. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going. I'm sorry. It's going to be Ukrainian. You know, footage of Ukraine, and it's going to be all the contestants linking hands tearfully singing Imagine. We're just going to make our peace with it. That is going to happen. No, no. I mean, 
you know, part of me would really like Octopus's garden to just Ringo doing its solo <laughs> on the stage. Thank you very much, because that also means we can do, hey, that's Ringo's tower. Where's Tactical Nuclear Penguin uh, from San Remo? But really, I think if we are going to have the Beatles at Liverpool on stage at the Eurovision Song Contest, all you need is love. I, I, can, I can definitely see the end credits. Kind of like, do you remember in 1999 in Jerusalem when they had Charlotte Nielsen's reprise and then they all got together and sang Hallelujah? I can totally see that. They get the winner out of the way and then everyone sings All You Need Is Love. End credits, boom. It's going to be all the Nas, isn't it? Na, 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 na. Nah. Oh, no, hey, no, that's Banana Ram. That's what you put in my head, you, and I, I didn't realise. I mean, no, really na, 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 Oh, God, na, na. I'm having school assembly flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. See you in Liverpool. See you in Liverpool. Guitars, please. This is CSI chat over the whole city over at Coffee. It was hosted by myself, Hugh and Spence, with John Lucas on the other microphone. Find out more and follow us www.escinsight.com and patreon.com slash escinsight to support us. Get to the end. Get to the end. Made it.